So if you're following along in our journey through the New Testament, for the whole year we've been reading, Monday through Friday, we've been reading a chapter of the New Testament, and Friday you got to the book of Revelation. You didn't think it was coming, did you? You thought you'd never get there. How many of you are following along, reading through, or, or attempting? How many of you had good intentions? <laughs> That's okay. We'll read some of it for you today. The book of Revelation, and this is, uh, we're going to start at verse 1 in chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which, gave, which God gave to him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom priests serving his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. And I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I can't read that without a little bit of, I mean, that just, those words, the opening of Revelation, you just got to get into it and read it. And I, I just, uh, great book. I recommend it to all. So this is December 1st. And you know what that means? You know what that means? What's coming, right? In 19 days, 18 days, you know what's coming. The next Star Wars movie. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. <laughs> it's, it's the release of the new Star Wars movie. You know, when I was 15, they came out with the first Star Wars movie, which was actually the fourth in the order. They came out with that first Star Wars movie, and I have been hooked ever since. In 77, they came out with episode four, and then five, and then six. And that was in the 70s and 80s. And then in the late 90s, they came, in 99, they came out with episode one. After episode four, five, episode one. And then throughout until 2005, episodes two and three came out. And then episode uh, seven came out in 2015. And then they came out with Rogue One which was meant to fill in some of those blanks between three and four, but came out after them all. And Solo came out in 2018, and it again was to introduce characters and fill in the blanks of things that we didn't know from before. And probably the most important part of the Solo movie 
had nothing to do with the movie. It was just the one character, the one important character in the whole movie, the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> it introduced where it came from and how it came into being, how it came to be a part of the story. And now the Mandalorian is out, but only if you stream Disney. So my daughter doesn't know I'll be coming over soon for a, a binge-watching party. They get the Disney episode or Disney Channel or whatever it is. And then there's episode 8 that came out in 2017 and episode 9 coming out on December 19th. Aren't you excited? I mean, come on. Anybody, any, any Star Wars fans here, come on. Some of you, the rest of you are in the closet. You secretly are fans. I just know it. I just know the rest of your fans. In those first three episodes, uh, as, as they developed, which were actually four, five, and six, but in those first three episodes that were released into the theater, they really developed this, this story about a father and a son. Now, the father had gone over to the dark side of the force. And the son, who didn't know that that was his father, but they get to that later. But the, but the son sides, he becomes a Jedi Knight, which is the, the, the positive side of the force, the good side of the force. And, and then they go to battle against each other. And you can't have a battle like this, this, this ultimate battle that they have. You can't have a battle like this without a secret weapon, right? Each side has to have a secret weapon. And the dark side had the Death Star. Remember the Death Star? It was, it was a gigantic planet that they built, and, and that Death Star flew through space, and it would come up to another planet, and with one shot could destroy an entire world. The Death Star, the secret weapon of the dark side, the goal of the dark side was to rule the galaxy with fear and strength. And in that first movie, the secret weapon we find out is Luke Skywalker. And Luke Skywalker is, is this unimposing young man, the son, who finds he's able to shoot one bomb into one hole in this giant planet and destroy the whole thing. And in that third movie, that theme of father and son is developed ever more. And we find that there's a twin sister to the son, just another dynamic they add. And the Death Star is rebuilt, and the battle starts again. But in the end, it wasn't the strength of any particular weapon of sorts. In the end, it was the love of the father for the son that wins out. Love wins. Now, it doesn't take a great theologian to figure out that George Lucas used a lot of Christian theology in developing Star Wars. Okay, he twisted it, but still, a lot of the themes are there. They had a Death Star. We have a star that the wise men follow. They had a father and son in conflict. We have a father, God, and a son, Jesus Christ, in unity. They had good and evil, dark and light, and we have the same. They had a secret weapon. 
and so do we. God has a secret weapon. A baby born in a manger. I'm born in a stable and laid in a manger. A carpenter's son, an apprentice, a homeless street preacher. <laughs> it's not looking too good for, the, for God's side, is it? As a matter of fact, the dark side has to be laughing. I just imagine Satan with this sinister laugh going, is that all you got? And then maybe responding with winning. I think we're meant to see the, the humor and the, and the irony in this. That, that God's answer to the evil in the world and the evil in the spiritual realm is a baby. And God's plan from the beginning is brilliant. Each one of us, I think, comes to a time in our lives, okay, we come to it every year, where we need a kickstart in our faith. And we face the new year with the idea, okay, a new year, turn over a new leaf, do a new thing, and, and maybe some new resolutions, and, and, but, but what am I going to do about my faith? What, how am I going to live my faith differently? I need, I need some energizing. I need something to, to get me pumped up. And what can get you pumped up more than a baby? I mean, it's exciting. It's precious. What happens to you when you hold a baby? I got to hold my, my grandson, little Charlie. Uh, uh, he's the one that's still an infant um, out of my four grandchildren. And I got to hold little Charlie. And you know what grandchildren, I mean, you know what, what babies do, right? They cry, they poop, and they throw up on you. But what does it do to you besides the smell? What does it do to you when you hold a baby and it kind of transforms who you are. All of a sudden, you've got this precious life in your hands. And, and, and I think God uses the baby metaphor for our own faith and, and, and the need that, that we have to nurture and protect and care for our faith is seen in the baby. So every year, right before the new year, God provides us with that, that sense of energy and that indescribable feeling of love that comes when you hold a baby. God knows what you need for your faith from the beginning. Something that you can, can take hold of. Something that can grab your heart for you and cause you to relate to your faith with care, protection, nurture. Christmas comes with a Christ child, and that is God's greatest weapon. But we're in the book of Revelation. There's no baby in Revelation. We're focusing on the second coming of Christ, right? This is, this is hellfire and brimstone opportunity. There's no baby. It's time to pull out the real secret weapon, right? Got a hint. There is a baby in Revelation. We'll get to that later. There's also a dragon. Wait till we get there. Christ is the secret weapon. And I don't think we really understand the power of that weapon. 
In this passage, there's several words that, that describe the, 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 the power that is Christ. There's several words that, that give the characteristics, at least some of those characteristics that are Christ. And I wanted to go through some of those. The, the first one that I find in, in, in the fourth verse, it's, it's the word peace. It's there in that greeting. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. That word peace we're, we're supposed to understand is like that Hebrew word shalom, which means peace, but it's, it's not a peace that is a, an end to violence. It's a, a peace that is the presence of God even in the midst of difficulties of life. None of you have any difficulties in your life, do you? None of you have any problems at all, right? Everything's just perfect. Yeah. And, and, and God says, in the midst of what isn't perfect, I am there with you. In the midst of your troubles, I pronounce peace upon you. Jesus says, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. I don't give as the world gives. It's different. It's not the, the evil that the world heaps upon us. It is God's peace that we're given. The next word that I, I find is the word love that is there in the verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of earth, to him who loves us and frees us from our sins by his blood. To him who loves us. You know, John in, a, in, in his own uh, a gospel writes this uh, in John three sixteen and 17. You're, you're familiar with this, right? You've heard this before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. That's 316. And then 17, indeed God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The secret weapon doesn't come to wipe us out. The secret weapon comes to gather us in because God loves you. It's not a weapon intended to, to, to tear you down but rather to build you up, to bring to you that new life that God wants, to have, wants you to have in Jesus Christ. And that next word is freedom, which I, I find, uh, again, in that verse 5, freed us from our sins by his blood. The Bible is clear to us that, that it's our sinful life that, 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 that tears us up, that, that, that has us enslaved. In Romans 7, 15, it says, I do not understand my own actions. This is, this is Paul writing. This is a, a guy who's a, a great, he's, the, he's probably the greatest faith liver ever. And he says, I do things I don't want to do. I don't understand that. I don't know why I do things I don't want to do, for I do what I don't, what, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For me, it was that third piece of pie on Thanksgiving. I'm a diabetic. That shouldn't have been in there. I didn't want to eat it, but I had to. Because I don't do the things I want to do. I do the things I don't want to do. Why do I do that? By the way, gluttony is a sin, in case you were wondering. But there's so many other things, and I, I just lift that one up, but there's so many other things that just entangle our lives. We call them sin because what it means is that, that they are things that we do that tear us up, but also tear up our relationships with other people. And Jesus Christ frees us from that, delivers us out of that, 
gives us an opportunity to, to be free from that. The blood of Christ frees us from the enslavement to sin. And you know, for some people, that enslavement to sin, that freedom comes just immediately. For most of us, it comes after a long time, and for some of us, it is a lifetime. But it is a freedom that God offers us in Jesus Christ. The next word is kingdom. And I want to point out, Pastor Brenda, she must be with the kids right now. Pastor Brenda uses the word kingdom. She takes the G out of it. And, and it's important to know why. Um, you see, with the G in it, it reminds us of an earthly sense of a king. And if you study anything about kings, you find out that, you know, what is it they say? Power corrupts and, and ultimate power, or, no wait, uh, what is absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Kings were corrupted eventually by their own power. Kings are human beings. And so Brenda uses the term kingdom while she wouldn't deny that God is our king. I know that. But she reminds us in saying kingdom, K-I-N-D-O-M, she reminds us that God calls us together not under this force of will or might, but calls us together to be family to be brothers and sisters, kin to one another. I love the way that she, she drops that G to just remind us that, that, that this isn't an overwhelming power that's meant to crush us, but an overwhelming power that's meant to love us and to cause us to love one another, this kingdom. We're going to learn at the end of this book that God's kingdom will be on earth there will be a time in history when God will remake the earth and repopulate it with the faithful. It's our job as members of the kingdom of God to bring as many brothers and sisters with us as possible. And so the next one is priest. The next word that I find is priest. In verse 6 it continues, priest serving his God and Father. By virtue of your confession of faith, by virtue of your baptism and your entry into the, the church of God, you are a priest. I don't have a lock on that. Pastor Greg and Pastor Brenda don't have a lock on that. You are a priest. It says in, in uh, second, uh, 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood a holy nation, God's own people, and here's why. Here's why you're a priest. In order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You are a priest whose job, whose responsibility is to open up a light that shines in people's dark world. Do you have any friends or neighbors or coworkers that live in a dark world? Do you have a family member that's in darkness? And you're called upon as a priest to point to the light that is God made known to us in Jesus Christ. You are a priest. Right now, we face so much darkness in the world. And, and so... I, I give God thanks for George Lucas films and Star Wars because um, when I first did this journey through the New Testament with another church, um, it was 2015 when another Star Wars movie was coming out. That was helpful. Now it's 2019 and another one's coming out. But there was 2015 and I preached a similar sermon to this and... and uh, 
I said this. This is four years ago. I said this. Think about this, this weapon that we have that is the love of God in Jesus Christ. And when I preached that sermon four years ago, I said that there have been way too many mass shootings taking place in our schools and communities. Sound familiar? You know, we've tried to wage this war against the evil of the world. One of the, one of the tools that we've used in this war against the evil of the world is politics. How well is that working for us? I think, I think politics sounds to me right now like very big guns shooting off very loud blanks. Because nothing's getting accomplished. People are still dying from the hatred that comes and ends up being manifested with guns. And, and this isn't a whole sermon on gun control or anything like that, because I, th I think gun control is government overreach, and I think a lack of gun control is, is uh, personal freedom that's trampling on the lives of others. And it's just one example, and I know in bringing it up, I lost half of you. You just wandered off into another category of thought process. But stick with me on this. When you focus on yourself, on your own desires and your own wants, when life becomes so self-focused that you, you allow people to die because you want your rights, that's called sin. Things have to change, not just on that topic, but how many others are there? bring up every inflammatory topic that we could talk about in church. And we've failed to use the secret weapon that God has given us. Why do we wait so long? Why does it take us so long to pull out that secret weapon and, and, and to, to share the love of God in Jesus Christ? Why does it take so long to use our secret weapon? You know, I'm going to mix metaphors here a little bit, but when I was a, a little boy, there was a, a television show um, uh, that was one of those Japanese sci-fi, so I'll stick with sci-fi, but it was one of those Japanese sci-fi um, children's shows called Ultraman. Yeah. Yeah, Ultraman. Now, Ultraman was, he was just a, a mild-mannered science study guy who, who uh, uh, be somehow becomes this giant who takes on the giant creatures like Godzilla that are trying to wipe out Tokyo. And Ultraman had a secret weapon. And he would wait till the end of the show and we're all going, use it, use it, use it. Come on, take it, use that secret weapon. He'd wait till the end of the show. Ultraman had this blinking light on his chest. It, it was like, kind of like Iron Man, right? But maybe, that's, maybe that's where Iron Man stole it from. But he had this blinking light on his chest, and he'd be fighting with the big monsters, and, and the light would begin to dim. And he'd be beaten down. And, 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 then, he'd, and then he'd fly up to the sun, where his power would be restored and he'd come back down and he'd do this and this beam of light would shoot out of his hand and it would destroy the monster. Why did he have to wait to the end to use the secret weapon? And why do you? What are you waiting on? God has given you this great weapon 
in Jesus Christ. And that weapon is, is, is love and peace and freedom and kingdom and priesthood. But in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it tells us the greatest of these is love. Love is powerful. Love isn't about sitting around and passively accepting what comes your way. Christ's love does not make us a bunch of pansies or doormats to be walked over. Love is meant to be you and me exercising all of the power of God to change the world. Love is power. It is the secret weapon. And this Christmas season, it's time for you to jump into the battle against darkness. Amen and amen.